chapter 11 this morning, if you would please, Hebrews chapter 11. As we continue through this great passage in the scriptures of the heroes of the faith and uh, the great triumphs that they triumphed through with power of God being demonstrated in their lives. Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to start reading in verse 8, and I'm going to read down through verse 22. Hebrews 11, beginning at verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should act receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one in him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, in heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead. From hence also he received him in a figure." By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of the staff. By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. So the title of the message this morning is simply living by faith. Living by faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your love and your mercies to us. We thank you for the privilege we have to open your word. We thank you for those that have gone before us and testified of your greatness and your power and demonstrated it by the lives that they lived and the great feats that they accomplished through the power of God. Father, we pray you help us who are living in this day and time to just rest in you and trust in you and wait upon you and allow you to work in and through us for your glory and for your honor, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, as you read through this chapter, you're reading accounts of lives of real people uh, living in a different time, of course, but a time, nevertheless, that had many problems and difficulties, just as our day has. They had circumstances that were different, but the principles apply the same. So this morning I have three things again. As we think about living by faith, I have the plan of faith, the place of faith, 
and then the purpose of faith. So as we consider this morning, first of all, the plan of faith, if you look again at verse 8, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. You know, we talk about faith in God. When we talk about faith in God, we're talking about a trust or a confidence in one who can lead, one who can provide, one who will protect us, even though we cannot see the way in which he will with our eyes. And we may not be able to comprehend it with our understanding. But that's what faith is. The Bible says here that Abraham went out not knowing whither he went. He didn't really know where he was going. He didn't know where he was going to end up. The only thing that he knew was he was to go out. That's what he knew. That word not knowing means not having knowledge of. He didn't have knowledge that he was going to end up in the land of Canaan. In fact, he never did live to possess the land. But he embraced it. Believing that one day his children would possess that land, which they did. So this is what, this is what Abraham knew. This was his plan. He was called to go out. See, there's a couple of things that he knew. He knew that God had called him to go out. That's what he knew. You know, it is important for us... You know, there's a lot of things in life that, that we don't know, but it's important for us to know what God's will and purpose is for our life. That's important for us to know. And, you know, that isn't as difficult as many times we make it out to be. You know, when we, sometimes when we talk about, well, you need to know the will of God. You know, we, we give this, some people have this impression, and, you know, I had this impression for a long time. Well, I need to go somewhere to a certain place and find out what the will of God is for my life. Now, the will of God is simply doing what you know to be right where you are right now. That's what the will of God is for your life. You know, we can, with certainty, say, it is God's will for every one of us to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That is the will of God. 1 Timothy 2.4 says, Who will have all men to be saved, and come under the knowledge of truth. You, you know, whether you have certainty of salvation or not, we are certain that it is God's will. It's God's desire for you. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is God's will for every life. So we can have certainty that that is God's will. We can also say it is God's will for every saved person to be baptized in the New Testament Baptist Church. You know, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, have been all made to drink unto one Spirit. So we're all to drink of that one Spirit. We're all to be led by that one Spirit. And the Spirit will lead us, if we are saved, to be baptized into a New Testament church. You know, this is a pattern we see de- demonstrated in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 2, and verse 41, 41, it says, Then they that gladly received his word were, what? Baptized. 
And the same day there were added unto them 3,000 souls. And so we can say of a certainty that it is God's will for every saved person to, to be baptized into a New Testament Baptist church. We could also say it's God's will for every saved person to obey and serve God faithfully where they are in life. You see, too often we think, well, you know, we need to know God's will, and we're thinking about something, that future. No, God's will is right now. It's right now. Doing God's will is, is right now. This simply means that we need to be faithful to the commands of God as a child of God, whether you are a child doing schoolwork, obeying your parents, or whether you're a wife and a mother serving your household, or a husband and father providing for your house, or employee of pond management, or, or raising birds, or working for the city, or daycare, or, or whatever it is, you know, wherever you find yourself, you're serving faithfully as unto the Lord. Being a witness and testimony for the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible spells this out very, very plainly for us. In Ephesians 6, it talks about children obey your parents and Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment of promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Verse 5, servants, or employees, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, so if you are an employer, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. You know, you know I don't know if, if you're a boss at work, you know, you're to... You're to, you're to to do right by your employees, not threatening. You know, a pastor, in a sense, is a, is a leader. He's not to be threatening. Not to be threatening. But serve. Serve the people. Serving the Lord. You know, whatever place that God has given us, it's a place for us to serve the Lord. place for us to serve the Lord. And so this is, this is the will of God. You, this, is, oh, this, is the kind of, this is really the things that Abraham knew. He know, knew he was called to go out to serve God. He was to leave his homeland and go serve God. You know, Ur of the Chaldees was a land of idolatry. And that's why, that's why that he, was, he was called to go out. So, so he knew that God had called him to go. The second thing he knew was he was promised an inheritance. He was promised. You know, when he went, you know, he left his home where he grew up. He did not know where he was going to end up. But he was given a promise. He was given a promise. You sometimes... God asks of us 
to do something different. It might be the mission field. It might be the ministry. It might be you know, a, a different a, a place of employment or some direction in life. But, and we maybe not always know how that's going to work out for us. You know, how A and B is going to equal C. Or maybe I should say how one plus one is going to equal two. It may look like it's going to equal five. Abraham didn't know. But what he didn't know was God had promised him. Promised him inheritance. He wasn't promised. He wasn't given. He wasn't really given a specific promise. Well, Abraham, if you go every every day, I will provide means for you. But that doesn't say that. It just tells us he was commanded to go out, and he was promised inheritance. But knowing God, Abraham believed that God would provide it for him. He also, we also see here that he knew, or it was revealed to him, the direction for each day. Again, in verse 8 says, by faith, it's by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out in the place, which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed, he went out not knowing whether he went. You know, so he re- it was revealed to him the direction for each day. You know, when he, when he finally got to the land of Canaan, and he, and he came in, I believe it was Mamre, and he built an altar there, and, and, and the Lord said, look to the north, and look to the south, and look to the east, and look to the west. All this land will I give thee, and thy children after thee. You know, he didn't know that until he got there. It's just he received direction day by day as he went. You know, we can make plans, and that's okay. It's good to have a plan. However, our Father has the right to change our plans. He has the right to change our plans. And we, by faith, ought to follow those plans even if we don't understand all the hows. All the what ifs. You know, I'm sure that Abraham, at times, like you and I, we know. In fact, we know from, you know, he goes into the, when he gets into the land of Canaan, and the Lord makes him this promise. He said, you know, look north, south, east, and west, and all this land will I give it to you. So that the idea was, this is yours. You just stay right here, and then the famine comes. You know what comes into his mind? Now what? Or like we would do many times when we think about something the Lord desires of us. Well, what if? What if? What if? What if? And we need to give our what ifs to the Lord. You know, lots of people have been faced with this thought of what if? in the last two years. And because of fear of what ifs, have turned away from God.
You know, Matthew six thirty four says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You know, it was Abraham's plan that took him into Egypt. Because of, what if this famine doesn't end? And so, that's the plan of faith. The second thing we see is the place of faith. If you notice in verse 9, it says, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Now that word sojourn means to be or dwell in a place as a stranger. So here's the land that God has promised to him, yet he's dwelling in it as a stranger. He really doesn't own any of it. There's all these, you know, and I won't go through the list, all these ites, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and all these ites that, that have, and the Canaanites that have possession of the land at this time. And so he's sojourning there. He's living there like a stranger. You know, Exodus 12 and verse 40 says, Now the sojourning, or the dwelling as a stranger, of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. So they, they were strangers in Egypt. This really wasn't their home. And that's the idea. He's dwelling in a place that really isn't his home. It isn't his. John 14, the Bible says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Now, if our Father's house is in heaven, then this world is not our home. You know, as a child, the rightful place for me was in my Father's house. That was on Powell's Road, Petersburg, Pennsylvania. And that little farm. That was home to me. You see, because that was my father's house. Any other place, I would have been sojourning. I would have been a stranger. You know, there's one time I remember that I spent a day at my friend Peter's house. And I think we went to the fair that evening. And they just took me home after we uh, left the fair. But, you know, and it was fun. But I was not as comfortable there as I was in my father's house. You know, we that are saved are children of God, and we really are strangers and sojourners in this world. Pilgrims, if you will. You know, we ought to feel a little out of place here. We ought to feel like most people are not as I am in this world. They don't have the same beliefs and practices that I have. They don't have the same understanding I have about the, about the meaning and purpose of life. You know, 1 John 5, 19 20 says, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding 
that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in the Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Most people don't have that understanding. Most people view the world as a place to get gain, to prosper, to find pleasure, and then when you get old, you retire with a nice nest egg and travel and live as you please. But that really isn't our purpose here. That isn't our purpose here. In fact, Matthew chapter 6 tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 20, he gives us a warning Lay not up yourselves treasures upon earth. After all, this is not our home. Where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. And where thieves do not break through and steal. See, the world doesn't understand. Why would you give money to the church? Why would you give tithes and offerings so people can go to other parts of the world and and preach this gospel you talk about? Why would you do that? Why don't you keep all that money for yourself and enjoy life? What they don't understand is, you you can do that and really enjoy life. Have the peace of God. And have treasure laid up in heaven for you as well. In verse 25 of the same passage, he says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet of the body what you shall put on. It's not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. See, this was kind of the philosophy of Abraham. He was more concerned about what God thought than his earthly treasures. You know, Abraham, who was a sojourner, a stranger, was one who was looking for and living for another world. He was looking for the promised land. If you notice again in verses 9 and 10, it says, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundation, whose builder and maker is God. You know, though God had promised him and his descendants the land, yet he lived there as a stranger. You know, as Christians living in this world, in a world that is comfortable in sin, we look for our home wherein dwelleth righteousness, where we will have new bodies. You know, it will be a place where we will never again. Think about it. Our heavenly home will be a place where we will never again made uncomfortable. Someone taking the Lord's name in vain. And having to say to them, I appreciate if you wouldn't take my Lord's name in vain. We're uncomfortable when you endeavor to minister to a family and their children have all different last names. Or you go out into the world and you feel uncomfortable because they all dress different than you or they don't or their lack of dress. Or uncomfortable, made uncomfortable by the lifestyles that are espoused by many. Ladies will never be asked again, why do you always wear dresses, skirts, 
we never be asked again, what's wrong with drinking? It'll be a place where we never again have to deal with the temptation and the wiles of the devil. We'll never again be challenged to devour our conscience. See, this, this will be home for us. We will, we will feel like we really fit in and are accepted. You know, there we will be in the very visible presence and care of our loving Heavenly Father. However, here, <laughs> we are here to serve the Lord. You know, Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, For me to live is Christ and die is gain, but if I live in the flesh... This is the fruit of my labor, yet what I choose I wot not. And so, again, what he's saying here is, I know not what is right for me, either to be in heaven or to be here on earth as a stranger. Because that is of the Lord to determine. But this world, many times, is a place that makes us feel uncomfortable. It's a place that is often hostile to true Christians and becoming more and more hostile to us here in the Western world. Of course, Jesus said, answered Pilate, said, My kingdom is not of this world. For if my kingdom were of this world, then will my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. In John 15, he said, the world hated me, and it will hate you. It, was, it offended at me, and it will be offended by your testimony and how you live. In John 16, he says, in the world you shall have tribulation, be a good cheer, I have overcome the world. You see, this world is a place of tribulation and turmoil for us, a place of strife. And, and so on and so forth. But in our Father's house, there will be no tribulation. There will be no turmoil. There will be no strife. All to live above with those who know, all that would be glory. But to live below with those we know, that's a different story. You know, Abraham suffered tribulation. Turmoil. He was tried. The famine tried him. And the result of him succumbing to the temptation to go into Egypt, he had turmoil in his house. There was strife in his house from there on with Hagar and Sarah. There was strife between him and his own nephew. See, all these things are part of this world. But in the land of promise, in our Father's house, all is peace forevermore. There was an old song that says, Won't it be wonderful there, having no burdens to bear? You know, we can dream about this wonderful country, but one of these days, by faith, it will become sight. See, Abraham... It says he sojourned by faith in the land of promises in a strange country, dwelling with 
tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, heirs of, with him of the same promise. He looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So the place of faith. This is where our faith, in this world, you know, there will be no need of faith when we get to heaven. We won't need faith. We'll be in the presence of God. See, this world is a place where we exercise faith. Where we are tried and tested and sometimes fail. But the Bible says the righteous man falleth down seven times and what? Riseth up again. So this is the place of faith, even as Abraham dwelling in a tent, sojourner. That was a place of faith. But you notice the third thing here, the purpose of faith. And I would say the purpose of faith, as we see here in this chapter, is to demonstrate a witness to the promises of God, or to testify to the promises of God. I want you to notice several things. First of all, to witness to the resurrection power of God uh, through the seed of Abraham. In verses 11 and 12, the Bible says this, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him, notice this, as good as dead. So many as the stars in the sky, in multitude, and as the sandwiches by the seashore innumerable. Drop down to verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. That's the one that was as good as dead. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. So, so the purpose of faith here is to, to witness to the resurrection power of God as we see it in the seed of Abraham, that is, of Isaac. You know, this, this we see here is a, a miraculous birth that was conceived by faith. Sarah believed God and received strength to conceive seed when she was past age. This was a miracle of God. This demonstrated the power of God. It was a testimony to the, those people around where they lived that God has power to do that which only He can do. And He does it through His people. It is God that has power to give life. And see, this, this miracle boy, who's Isaac, would be a testimony to, or a type, or a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and His death and resurrection. You can notice again in verses, uh, verse 19, it says, Accounting that God was able to raise Him up, even from the dead, from whence also He received Him in a figure. In other words, or a type, or a picture of the Lord Jesus, who would be resurrected from the dead. So, so our faith purpose is to, to be a witness to the resurrection power of Christ. You know, when a person gets saved and their life is changed, that's a testimony to the power of God. Working in a person's life. 
You know, I've heard testimony of several people. I think several people I'm think think of I could name this morning, at least two. Unsaved men up into their well, one was middle aged and one was pretty old. And both had problems with cursing. In fact, one of them, his brother, said, I would no longer work for him because of his mouth. And I told him so. But he prayed for him and prayed for him and prayed for him. And what, what people couldn't do, challenging them about their sin, when they got saved, God took it away. God could do. You see, it, faith brings about or demonstrates the power of God. To change a person's life. A a purpose of faith is a certain or firm witness to the promise of God to us as His people. In particular here, to the fathers. That is, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now this this promise, I believe, is twofold. We see here in... in, uh, 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 verse 9, we see by faith he sojourned the land of promise. So this would be a reference particularly to the land of Israel. Uh, land of promise. So there was a land that was promised to Abraham, though he actually never did receive it in his lifetime. Nor did Isaac receive it in his time, though he lived there. Nor did Jacob in his lifetime, though he lived there. And it was not until after they had gone to Egypt 430 years and came back from Egypt that they actually possessed the land. However, Joseph, even in his dying words, made reference to this promise and said, when the Lord gives you the land, when the Lord takes you out of here, out of Egypt, you carry my bones with you. And the Bible says they put him in a coffin. You know what the word coffin there in that passage in Genesis means? It means hope chest. Hope chest. They didn't actually really bury him. They put him in a coffin because they were certain that one day they were leaving Egypt. And Joseph said, you're not going to bury me here. You're going to bury me in the land that God promised to us. See, the person our faith is to demonstrate to the world the promises of God by us holding fast to those promises and obeying them and being a witness and testimony to them. Notice again verses 20 through 22. Isaac, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. You know, it was all about the land. Jacob's going to have dominion. That that means that now he's got the birthright, and he's the youngest. This isn't the way it's supposed to be done. The oldest is supposed to get the birthright, but but, it was of the Lord to give it to Jacob. And and so he blessed Jacob, and, and he gives him dominion over his brother. And then by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the parting of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. So all these make references to the promised land. Promised land. You know, though the children of Israel 
for 400 and some plus years, never actually possessed the land. They never lost hope of the promise. The expectation that one day God is going to give us that land. And they testified of it. You know, God gave that promise originally to Abraham in Genesis 12.1. We said, get thee out of thy country from thy kindred, from father's last, unto land that I will show thee. In Genesis 12, 7, he comes into the land. He says unto him, unto this, thy seed will I give this land. And there he built an altar, and the Lord appeared unto him. Deuteronomy 1, 8 says, behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. So they never lost sight of God's promise. And here's, the, here's, here's a very important part of this. They, though Abraham was called out of Ur of the Chaldees and called to go into the land of Canaan, the Bible says that they never looked back saying, maybe we ought to go back home. In fact, look at it. Verse 15. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But they weren't mindful of that. They were mindful of the promise that God gave them, and they kept their mind on that promise, and they forgot about it. They put out of their mind what they had back there. You know, Romans 11, and I think it's verse 22. I wrote it down here somewhere, but I can't find where I wrote it. Uh, now, Romans 11, verse 28, 29 says, As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. Talking about the nation of Israel. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the fathers. And that word fathers there is, a, is not capitalized, so it's referring to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So the beloved for the father's sake, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. In other words, God promised them that land and they will receive it. They will receive it. You see, when God makes you and I a promise, he's going to keep his promise. And when call, if God asks of you of something that seems unreasonable to our human nature, one thing you can be assured of, that God will keep His promises to you. Even if it seems like it's impossible. I mean, this chapter is full of impossibilities. Timothy tells us, Paul tells us in Timothy that if we believe not yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. You see, they desired something better. Something giving them of God. A heavenly country. If you notice in verse 6, but now they desire a better country. That is in heavenly, where God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. See, what is it that we are desiring? What are you seeking after? 
You know, even though it was 430 years after going to Egypt that, that Joshua and Joshua chapter 6 goes in and begins to possess the land, you know, they never, they never turn back from God's promise. You know, 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, for not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, God, our Father, has left us in this world that is not our home to testify, to witness to the promises of God, to the promise of His coming. To judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, Jesus Christ. And we're here to warn the world. That's why we're here. To testify. Just as Noah warned, that preacher of righteousness warned them in his day, judgment is coming. It's going to rain. It's going to be a flood. Judgment is coming. Prepare to meet thy God. You know, John the Baptist comes on the scene saying, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus came on the scene saying, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and the, the, the apostles and all this continue to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Judgment is coming. That's our purpose. Our purpose is to witness to the promise of our Lord's coming. And just as these endured, as Moses says of Moses, they endured as seeing him who is invisible. You know, there are many today who are giving up turning away. Even as Demas hath forsaken me, Paul said, having loved this present evil world, compromising with the world, muddying the testimony of God's promise. Demonstrating a lack of faith in the plan and purposes of God. But how are we doing? Are we as Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, are we living by faith? So as you think about this, the plan of faith, and you know, are you living by God's plan? Is it God's plan for your life? And the place, are you, are you uh, being faithful in the place God has set for you? And are you fulfilling your purpose of your faith? Are you obedient to his purpose for our life? You know, and our purpose for here is that to continue to give out the gospel. To carry on what Jesus began to do. Teaching and preaching. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. 
So are we living by faith? You one day the Lord is going to fulfill those promises. He's coming for us. But until then, it's Bible simply says it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. May the Lord help us be faithful until he comes.